Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. On last week, man, we started a series simply entitled, somebody shout, Promotion Blockers. Promotion Blockers, man. And uh, this is, I want you to hear my heart because this is where I am. Um, I've, I've lived long enough, I've studied the Word of God enough to recognize there are certain principles in the Bible that you simply cannot violate if you want to advance your life in the things of God. Can you say amen to that? We looked at the foundational text, Proverbs chapter number 18, verses number 16, where the Bible declares, a man's gift, somebody shout gift. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. So what that simply means is, well, well, first of all, all of us have gifts. All of us have talents and ability, both naturally and spiritually. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you gifted. Absolutely. You, you are gifted. So all of us have gifts, talents, and ability. But so, so the scripture is declaring that when you discover what your gift is, number one, number two, when you exercise, number three, when you begin to sharpen your gift, your gift has the ability to make room for you and bring you before greatness. I want to help somebody in this place. I, I ain't going to give a testimony, but I just talk about it. She can give her own testimony. There's a particular sister uh, that's been doing some volunteer work around the, okay, I'm going to talk about it. Sister Cece, stand up, girl. I'm going to give your own testimony. And if I mess it up, you can come back and address it up. So, so Cece, she's been doing, you know, uh, work around the church, painting and, and decorating. Matter of fact, how many of you guys have been in a conference room in the last week? Conference room, isn't it just beautiful, y'all? How many of y'all been in it, but you knew what it looked like before? <laughs> yeah, it looked like I did something to it, yeah. But anyway, she's, do, she's been doing a phenomenal job just decorating and putting things together. And uh, one of the sisters in the church who her son owns a construction company told her about Sister Cece, and he picked her up and hired her, y'all. Can y'all, what? Her, her gift, God help me in this place, made room for her and not finna get her paid. Can you say amen to that? So, so you are gifted, and, and if you discover your gift, exercise and sharpen your gift, it will make room for you, and it will bring you before great men. This is a particular scripture that my dad, he used to throw at me literally all of my life because I used to ask dumb questions like, Dad, when is going to be my turn? And he'd say, Son, sit down. If you sharpen your gift, you won't have to ask. When is your turn? Are, are y'all with me in this place? So the, 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 the crazy thing about this scripture is, is that you have to see what it says but you also have to understand what it doesn't say. What it does say is that if you are gifted, you sharpen, exercise your gift, your gift has ability to make room for you. You don't have to, you don't have to step on nobody. You don't have to bombard your way in. Your gift will make room for you and bring you before greatness. But what it doesn't say is that your gift will keep you there. Because gift gets you there. Character, integrity is the thing that keeps you there. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. So when we talk about promotion blockers, I want to deal with those things that, 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 that can be highlighted in your character that winds up demoting you where your gift has promoted you. Can you say amen to that? On last week, if I were just to sum the entire message up on last week as a promotion blocker, I would highlight the idea of lack of loyalty. Somebody shout loyalty. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Watch this. It's three, just three points that I ministered on last week. Loyalty, when I think of loyalty, I think of three things. Number one, I think of timeliness. 
when I'm loyal to somebody, I'm, I'm timely. When I'm loyal to an organization, when I'm loyal to my job, I am, I am I'm timely. I'm, I'm loyal to my wife, and because I'm loyal to my wife, um, I take about three or four months before her birthday to start figuring out what she wants. Anybody that's close to her, I'd be calling, hey, hey, what's what she been talking about? And she had one friend, it was too crazy, two friends, I think she wants some perfume, and that friend wound up buying her some perfume. That was crazy. So you're going to get on on the goodie. That's, that's how you're going to do it? No. So, so, so I'm, I'm timely. When, you, when you're loyal to a thing, when you're loyal to an individual, there's a sense of timeliness that you have. Number two, there's a sense of relational proactiveness that you demonstrate. You, you on purpose. Somebody showed on purpose. You on purpose invest in the relationship. I talked about on this, this past Thursday night. Any of you guys ever heard of Drew Manning that wrote the book From Fit to Fat to Fit? From fit to fat to fit, yeah. Uh, Drew Manning, he, he's, a, he was a, he's a personal trainer. All of his life worked out, and he was frustrated with his clients because it seems as though that they weren't making progress physically. So he decided to go on a six-month journey where for six months he ate whatever he wanted and didn't work out at all. And in six months, gained 75 pounds. What that tells me is that you can reach a certain level. Come on, somebody. But if you don't do some of the same things that got you there, you can't go all the way back. Are y'all with me in this place? So when it comes to a relationship, just because you married don't mean you happily married. Just because you got a job don't mean you satisfied in your job. Sometimes there are things that you have to do on purpose proactively to develop the relationship. And then number three, you have to have, to, you have, to have a sense of guarded speech. You can't just say whatever you want to say. Just because you feel it don't mean it can fly out your mouth. Are y'all with me in this place? So I, I didn't talk about this is the positive perspective of these three characteristics when it comes to loyalty. I actually ministered from the negative perspective. And here's the ne negative perspective concerning timeliness. Uh, you can't be a procrastinator and be loyal at the same time. It's not that you can't be late because you, you'll be late from time to time. But you can't say I'm loyal and you late all the time. You can't be loyal and have something in your heart of cancer or poison that's in your heart in the relationship and don't be proactive and do something about that thing that's in your heart. Because watch this, oftentimes I'm offended and this is what I have to do when I'm offended. First of all, I need to find out is this my problem or, us, or our problem? If it's my problem, I just need to take that thing in the prayer, get over my little ego and, and move on. But if it's a us problem, then I need to follow the biblical protocol where I go to my brother and, and the Bible declares him alone and I confess, I talk about what's going on. If you don't hear me, then I take a mediator to, to, to hash things out. That's the biblical protocol. And when you're loyal, you do stuff like that. And then number four, number three, you, you guard your speech. In other words, you don't gossip. So if I'm loyal to you, you don't have to ever worry about me talking about you behind your back. If I'm loyal to you, and by the same token, for those of you guys, especially for those of guys who are close to me, you know if you're loyal to me, not only do you not talk about me, but you don't bring mess to me. Because I'm not a garbage can. Amen. So lack of loyalty is what we dealt with on last week. What I want to highlight today, Jesus, as a promotion blocker, I want to talk about lack of honor. Lack of honor, and what a fabulous day to talk about it. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, where we, wanna, where we honor those fallen soldiers, those who have gave their lives, left their families. We have, I believe, uh, Brother Corey, you still getting ready to leave, sir? Yeah, Brother Corey. Can we bless the Lord for Brother Corey, man? Can we bless? Yeah. He's getting ready to leave his family, leave his church family to serve his country. Anybody else getting ready to leave? Maybe somebody who can't leave. My son, stand up, my son. Can y'all give it up for my son? 
Eduardo. Yeah, we want to talk about lack of honor. When I speak of honor, honor is demonstrating high respect or esteem. Now watch this. I'm the guy, I'm the guy who definitely dis, uh, understands dishonor. Jesus. Um, year, years ago, years ago, I, I said something that was absolutely horrible to my mama. And it still hurts me today to talk about it. I don't even like to talk about it. I apologize 10,000 times. Sent roses and all kind of stuff. You got to understand, my mom, I picked up something from my mama. I picked up the spirit of cut-offness. <laughs> I picked it up from my mama. So if I picked it up from her, she better at it than me. And that sister girl cut me off. And I apologize 10,000 times. And, and, and you got to understand, you got to understand, uh, just because you feel some type of way, it doesn't give you the right to dishonor people in your life. And if I could go back on that day, Lord knows I would swallow those words. I'll try to retract them, but I, I can't. I said it, and, and it really hurt her feelings. Made my mama cry, man. My mama don't be crying. I made my, I know, I know it was horrible. And watch this. In that moment of dishonor, I look back now and I see that the quality of my life began, began to decline. And, and I want to I wanna show you why. Watch this. Ephesians 6 and 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for, somebody shout, this is right. This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So you have two things that he speaks to. Number one, he says, somebody shout, children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. When he's talking about children, he's talking about those, those children who are still under parental responsibility, that your parents are still responsible to you. So if, if you live in my house and I'm taking care of you, you come on, somebody. <laughs> Let me pick it, Aisha. I don't care if you three or 21. I'm paying your bills. Curfew is when I say it. But you get grown and buy your own little house, <laughs> paying your own little bills, praise the Lord. <laughs> you come in whenever you want to. <laughs> So he's talking about children o o obeying their parents. Those are children. Those are kids who are still under parental responsibility. So there comes a point as a son that obedience ends to my father because I am no longer. My daddy can't just come to my house and rearrange my son. I don't like where the couch is. Oh, okay. Well, you buy it. Take it to your house <laughs> and put it wherever you want. So there comes an end of obedience, but watch this. There never comes an end to honor. And the reason you know it is because he attaches a promise to honor. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with what, y'all? With the promise. Verse 3 highlights the promise. So that it may be what, y'all? Well with you and you may enjoy what type of life? Now, in this particular scripture, this is where I personally missed it because I've always talked about the longevity of life, but verse number three not only talks about long life, it talks about the quality of. So when you honor your father and your mother, not only does it promise you longer days on the earth, but it also promises you greater quality with, within those days. And when I dishonored mom, I need y'all to hear me today. When I dishonored mom, immediately I noticed the quality of my life began to decline because that's a spiritual principle that you cannot violate without consequences. Is anybody with me in this place? Watch this. First Peter chapter number three, verses number seven. The Bible declares, husbands likewise dwell with them 
with understanding, giving, somebody shall honor. Honor to the wife as the what type of vessel, y'all? Weaker vessel. Now, now let's clarify this because this, this thought, this term, this, this phrase as to the weaker vessel is not a put down. It's actually a compliment. Okay. How, how many guys 40 and, over, 40 and older? 40 and older? Okay. Okay. 40 and older? Ain't that old. Okay. Between 40 and 45? 45? No, 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 no. When I was in high school, all the ballers, <laughs> which I was not, <laughs> wore these big, thick necklaces. Y'all remember? Anybody remember that? Big, thick necklaces. Okay. How could you tell if the necklace was real or not? <laughs> Y'all going too far. That's all true, but that ain't, ain't where I'm going. The way you were able to dig, go fun. The way you were able to tell if it was real or not, because if it was real, it had a kink in it. If it was, if it was fake, that bad boy was not only solid gold. I'm talking about he was just sitting there, perfect. But if it's real, it's got a kink somewhere in it. You know why? Because precious metal is softer. So when he says you are the weaker vessel, he's not talking about physical characteristics. He's actually complimenting her. I was, I was, um, my, 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 uh, uh, my wife, she has this antique china in a china cabinet, and I lifted it. Matter of fact, her aunt, uh, maybe about 15 years ago, when her aunt lived to be 99 years old, gave this to her before she died. So this is real antique stuff, y'all. I'm talking about this the real deal. I went and lifted up one of her plates, and then I lifted up one of the ones we bought from Walmart. That one from Walmart, like, ugh. The, the antique good stuff, very, very light. You know why? It's a weaker, it's made of a weaker substance. So he's actually complimenting her. He says, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. Why? As being heirs together of the grace of life. Because if you don't honor her, the quality of your life is going to go down because it's going to hinder your prayer life. I'm in the text, y'all. Somebody shall honor Honor. Now, this is what we got to understand concerning honor, and you got to get this, man, if you don't get nothing else. There is a difference between worldly societal honor and biblical honor. There's a, there's a, there's a drastic difference. Societal honor says it demonstrates honor based on achievement and accomplishment. What we did last Sunday with the graduates, that was a societal honor. We gave people honor based on what they have accomplished. You, you, you graduated high school. And me and my wife, we debated. I'm like, do we really got to honor kindergarten graduation? And she fought me tooth and nail, so we honored everybody. I don't care where you graduated from, we, you honored. <laughs> based on your achievement. That's a societal honor. But when we talk about biblical honor, biblical honor is not earned but granted by virtue of position. So the Bible doesn't say honor your nice wife. You preaching now. Nah. I don't know what you've been saying, but you sure preaching now. Nah. It doesn't say honor your perfect father. It doesn't say honor your flawless mother. Is she your mama? Give her honor. Is she your wife? Because un 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 understand, understand. 
God is looking at you not based on what they do, but he's looking at you giving them honor based on who they are. And if there's anybody who abuses that honor, watch this. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked whatsoever man soweth. That shall he also. God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If they abuse their privileges, I'm going to take care of them. But in the meantime, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. But because, because watch, watch this. Sometimes you own your job and you're working on a, under somebody who's not qualified. And you want their position, and you think you can get your, their position by dishonoring them. Y'all understand? Because watch this, the person who you are complaining to to try to get them out of position so you can get in position, you know what they're looking at? They're saying you, they're not honoring the position, and you ain't honoring them. So if I put you in position, that means you will dishonor me. I'm going to help somebody in this place. They got the position. They're not telling you to do nothing illegal, but because you have lack of honor for them, you won't do what they say. But then you want your boss to put you in position, and you say, well, if it was me, I'd do it. No, 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 no. If you're faithful over... Watch this. Romans 13 and 1, the Bible declares, let every one be... Somebody shout subject. Subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by who, y'all? In this particular text, he's actually talking about civil government. And it's interesting that Paul would write it because he's writing at a time where he himself is subject to the Roman authorities. And the Roman authorities was, was far from a perfect system, far from a perfect system. But he says that the system that's in place, it wouldn't be in place unless God ordained it and he allowed it to be so. So when you, if you bucket against what God has allowed, you're bucking against. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on them, on themselves. See, sometimes you think just because you're a believer and you're working under a non-believer or, or, okay, the, the authority that's in position is not, a, is not a believer, you think that you can do what you want to do and it'd be okay because you're the believer. Mm -mm. We should have a healthy respect for all authorities. Whether it's spiritual authorities, whether it's parental authorities, whether it's uh, uh, civil authorities, God is requiring us as people to demonstrate somebody shall honor. And the honor that we demonstrate is not based on their performance, but it's based on the position that God has allowed them to. Verse 3 declares, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will you will be commended. You will be commended. I got a speeding ticket the other day. <coughs> I did, man, I did. And it was real, it was real innocent too because you, you know like when you're on the country roads, country roads, <laughs> where I was going? I was going somewhere in the country. And so it's like 55 miles per hour, but when you get into the little country town where the little, you know what I'm saying, it goes, drops down to 35. And it happened so fast. So your boy's just dri driving. I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. And then, whirl, I'm like, oh, what's up? <laughs> Please come over to the car. And I was like, praise the Lord, sir. <laughs> no. 
Man, I begged and I pleaded and I got everything, did everything else, and that man still wrote me a ticket. Now watch, watch this, watch this. The Bible says, touch not my anointed and write my prophets no tickets. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pastor McGee, if you break the law, you get a speed ticket. Honor. Honor. Now here's the thing. Now, I did get out of the ticket, praise the Lord. Brother got a few connections. The police officer, I, police officer I call, and I'm the pastor, but he still asked me the question. He said, did you give him any troubles? No, he didn't ask me, did I, was I speeding? I was speeding. He asked, did you give him any troubles? I said, no, sir. Because his thing was, if you were disrespectful to the authority, I ain't going to, I'm preaching better than y'all responding. If you were disrespectful to the authority figure, then I can't help you at all. He got no sir and yes sir out of me. And a please sir. <laughs> he didn't hear the please sirs. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is, somebody shout right, and you will be commended for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Be afraid. If you do what's wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Yeah. My, my son had a situation at school. This was several months and he did something, just had no business doing it. And um, so he, he brought on the discipline for him and he told me what he did. And I was like, hey, here's what it is, son. Here's what it is. And then he told me what the punishment was for what he did. And I said, ooh, ooh. Now watch this. I didn't say this in front of my son because I want my son always on authority figures. But I'm an authority figure myself. When I thought about what the principal did, the punishment didn't match the crime. So you respect the authority figure, but I'm going to go and I'm going to challenge him because we're on the same playing field. So yeah, you got punishment for what you did, but I want to challenge what he did, and, what, and, and the punishment definitely did not fit the crime, and Greg's daddy was on the case. Verse number five declares, therefore, it is necessary to, to, to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay, somebody shout taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Hmm. Yeah. Give to everyone, somebody shout everyone, what you owe them. If you owe, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then you should give what, y'all? I want to highlight a thought out of the Bible, Believer's Bible commentary. Uh, the author, the writer says, the fact that believers are citizens of heaven does not exempt them from responsibility to human government. They must pay whatever taxes are levied on their income, their real estate, and their pro personal property. They must demonstrate respectful fear of displeasing those who are charged with enforcing the law. And they must, they must show honor for the names and offices of all civil servants, even if they can't always respect their personal lives. I, I had, a, had a great conversation yesterday with the pastor, and um, he, was, he, was slamming, he was slamming Trump. And, and th this, is, this is my perspective um, for, for the last presidential uh, race. In my opinion, I didn't, I didn't have a pick on either one of them. 
because I thought surely there's somebody that could be more qualified than the two that we had. So uh, I'm not a Democrat, neither am I a Republican. I think it takes both wings to fly, and I think they need to work together a little bit more often. Can somebody say amen to that? So he was, he was bashing Trump, and, and I said to him, well, I'm not necessarily a Trump lover, a Trump supporter, but I honor the office. And there are things that you're saying that's dishonoring the office. And, and so he started throwing all types of scriptures of why Trump shouldn't be in office and all this kind of stuff. And I said, hear me again, hear me again. I'm, I, I wasn't a Hillary supporter and I'm not a Trump supporter, but you can't bash the office because the Bible teaches us to pray for them that are in office. He goes on to say in this connection, and by the way, you'll, you'll never hear me, two things you'll never hear me do. You'll never hear me stand on this platform and, in, and endorse and endorse, and I have some, some pastor friends, and I, man, I try to challenge them, but they don't listen. I never stand and endorse a particular political party. You know why? Because my voice is the same voice that endorses the truth of the word of God, and I can't take that voice and support something that's faulty because both sides lie. Are y'all with me in this place? So I'm not going to endorse, neither am I going to trash the one that gets the office. I'm just not going to do it. If there's something that's going, that's going on that affects the church, I will highlight the issue, but I'm never going to dishonor the office. And I want to challenge you as believers. Don't do it. Please don't be on Facebook doing it. If you do it, I'm going to call you and I'll be like, hey, what's up with that? Because here's the deal. I don't care. I, I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand, nothing like that. But I have Democrats and I have Republicans in this audience right now. I have both of you all. And I'm not about to... I'm not about to choose sides at the, at the expense of you not hearing the message of Jesus Christ. Just not doing it. In this connection, Christians should never join in speaking in a derogatory way of the president or the prime minister. Even in the heat of, heat of a political campaign, they should refuse to join in the verbal abuse that is heaped upon the head of state. It is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So watch this. Spirit, somebody shout spiritual advancements. Spiritual advancements are often hindered when dishonor. So. Yeah. I had a pastor, um, and he's a, he's a senior, he's a bishop, apostle, um, uh, that called me. This was about a year ago, and um, he asked me for a personal favor. There's some, some things personally that he wanted me to do, and um, when he asked me, I just didn't feel it. I ain't feel it at all, so he called me back a week or two later, and um, he, well, Pastor McGee, what, what, what are you, have you considered what, what I, and I said, uh, Bishop, let me, let me pray on that one just a little bit more. And I'm already knowing that I can't do it. So another week or so go by, um, I run into him in the store. And he ran up on me. I'm a pastor, but y'all do know I'm from Nagoport, right? I mean, he ran up on me like, I mean, are you going to do it or what? You going to do it or what? And it was one of them situations where you in the moment and you really can't process everything that's happened. But when I got in the car, I was like, no, nah, he didn't. No, nah, he didn't up in here. <laughs> 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 
so um, the next time he called, <laughs> yeah, he called a week later. <laughs> Dude, I got my mama's spirit. You cut off. <laughs> so he went like three months without calling, and then he called. <laughs> God bless you. So watch this, Mom. He called last week. This has been going on for a year. I'm not picking up the phone. He called me Thursday while I'm getting ready for Bible study. I got a witness. I got a witness. So watch this, my sister. Um, I'm taking Friday and I'm taking uh, yesterday and I'm kind of meditating on, on the message and, and making sure everything's everything. And um, I hear God say, why did you dishonor him? Jesus. I'm like, oh, hold on. <laughs> now I'm tripping because I can't, I know I can't come here and preach to y'all about honor and I got this honor in my heart. So I wrestle with that and I try to, I try to rationalize it. I try to push it off to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because this dude live out of town. That means I got to go out of town today, Saturday to talk to this dude face because I can't pick up the phone call. I can't, can't pick up the phone. I got I to gotta go. So later on yesterday evening, I drove, I drove out to, um, to, to his house and um, I, just, I just showed up. I ain't called. I ain't doing I just showed up and he had that look. How you doing? So I told him, uh, sir, I want to apologize for dishonoring you by not taking your call. I said, that was wrong of me. I should have I took your call. And secondly, I should explain to you from my perspective why I'm offended based on our last interaction. That's dishonorable for me to hold that in my heart. And you may or may not even know that I was offended by our last interaction. So I go on to, because understand, me coming to him has nothing to do with what he asking me to do because I'm, I'm still probably not going to do that. But I don't, owe, I don't owe disrespect because watch this, societal honor says you honor them based on what they do. Biblical honor says you honor them based on who they are. And if this is a man of God, I don't even care if he's a sour man of God. I don't care if he's a backslidden man of God. If he's a man of God, if that's his position, I, watch, he may not be allowed to do certain things in my life, but if that's your title, I still honor you because that's who you, God has placed you to be. Now, some of you guys got a problem with that when I say if they're backslidden because, because this societal honor, it is deep in the church, y'all. I'm telling you, it's real, real deep in the church where we only honor people based on their performance. And if they choose not to perform, then we choose to dishonor them. And you don't even understand that you are blocking, you, you are blocking your own promotion because you're violating a spiritual principle that contradicts society. Now, now let me show you this, and I'm, I'm going to my seat. We got new visitors here, and I need to 
act like I end on time. <laughs> I'm going to act like it just for y'all, man. <laughs> Come back next week, you're going to get it, though. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to read this. First Samuel 31 and 3 is the actual account of Saul dying. This is what actually happened. Saul lost his life. The scripture declares the fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his, somebody shall armor bearer. So it's armor bearer, the guy that walks beside him during war. Draw your sword and run me through. He says, kill me. Or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. I'm not, man, I'm loyal to you. I'm not finna take your life. So the Bible declares, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it. Saul took his own life. He took his own sword and he fell on it. That's how he died. Five declares, when the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. That's how he actually died. The story that I read to you is a different rendition because you got a guy that's looking for honor and thinks he can obtain honor by sowing dishonor. Second Samuel 1 and 2 is the story I read. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him. He, he came to pay David honor because he knows David is getting ready to be the future king. Verse 3 declares, where have you come from, David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened, David asked? Tell me. The men fled from the battle, he replied. Many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man, who, who brought him the report? How, how do you know Saul? Now Saul is the, the king, the king that just passed away. How do you know Saul died? How do you know his sons Jonathan are, are dead? This is his story. I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, the young man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and their drivers in hot pursuit. When he turned around, he saw me. He called out to me, and I said, what can I do? Trying to demonstrate loyalty and honor, but he lied. Then he said to me, now it's evident that he was there, but this ain't the right story. Then he said to me, stand here by me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I made the decision to honor the king's last wishes. So I stood beside him and killed him because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown. I'm, I'm, I'm the loyal. I'm the, I'm the servant of honor. I took the crown that is on his head and the bands on his arm. And I have brought them to you, David, my Lord. Look at David's response. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his sons, Jonathan, and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David, watch this, watch this. Another pastor's failure is not my success. Ooh, pastor, did you hear about a, a Reverend so-and-so, Apostle so-and-so? My friend go to that church. I'm trying to bring them to this. That, that's, that failure is not my success. 
And if you do bring your friend here that fell at, that, that, that was at so-and-so church that fell, you bring somebody broken that, that requires emergency surgery. He thought David would be happy, but David mourned. But this is what he don't know about David. You telling the story that you dishonored and you killed the king. But here's the truth. I, I am the one that's anointed to be future king. And I had several opportunities to take the life of this man. But I chose not to. Because I said in my heart, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. David called the backslidden king God's anointed. Because just because God chooses not to use them in that office doesn't mean that his hand is not still on their life. David said to the young man who brought him the report, where are you from? I am the son of a foreigner, an Amalekite, he answered. David asked him, here's, here's the question, here's the question. Why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Why, why, why weren't you afraid Come, come on, Greg, Greg, gee, why weren't you afraid to talk to your mama like that? What's up with you, man? Not just because it's your mama, true, but do you not know the consequences that follows dishonor? God spoke to me years ago, years ago, my wife and I, we can ready to celebrate 20 years in about several months or whatever, a couple of months. Um, and God spoke to me early in the marriage, and he says, your wife is my daughter. So you think you're just acting out towards your wife, but your wife is my daughter. So when you dishonor her, you're actually dishonoring her father. I had to get some get right. This is what First Chronicles sixteen twenty two. It says, "Touch not mine anointed, and do what y'all." This is what's crazy about this scripture. It gives a warning. I hear him, hear me, hear me. It gives a warning, not to mess with folk that are anointed. It gives them a warning. It gives a warning, but here's the crazy thing: you can't always tell who anointed. John the Baptist was filled with. He was anointed in his mother's womb. God told Jeremiah, he says, before you were formed in your mother's belly, I had already ordained you to be a prophet unto the nation. Before he ever got here, the hand of God was on his life. Y'all ain't that. I don't know which one of the children will be the potential elder, pastor, leader in this ministry. Who's going to be the next deacon, deaconess? Who's going who to be, be the next communicator that God raises up out of my babies? I don't know who it's going to be. So you mean to tell me that you can just treat anybody like you want to treat them? because they don't have the title or the status that you think that a person with honor. Yo, come, come, come on, come on. Hmm? He says, touch not mine anointed, do my prophet. The thing is, you don't even know who, got, you don't always know who has the prophetic gift, prophetic office. You don't know who, who's always anointed. I did some crazy yesterday, and y'all pray for y'all, Pastor. The Lord is still working with me. He working, he working with your boy. I was in a hurry yesterday. I was in a hurry and um, headed to my house. And um, I was driving, and these cars was just going so slow. So I got in this lane, and then I got in this lane, and I cut this guy off. And when I looked in my rearview mirror, I said, oh, man, that look at my neighbor. Is that my neighbor? 
And I'm already playing through my head how I'm apologizing when I get out the car. Be like, oh, man, my bad, man. I, I left something on up in there. I was trying to play out how I'm apologizing. But then I saw the car and it was a, a tag. And I was like, oh, that's not my neighbor. I was relieved. So was it okay to cut him off because it wasn't your neighbor? <laughs> I know y'all like, man, y'all pastor jacked up. I'm a <laughs> he needs some real prayer. But you know what? I don't mind exposing myself. It'll help you be real with yourself. Yeah. David asked him, why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the men and said, go strike him down. So he struck him down and he died. For David had said to him, your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testifieth against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. Biblical honor is not earned, but granted by virtue of the position. Now, I'm finished. So th this is where, I, where I've been for the um, just past couple of weeks, past couple of months, actually. Um, so, so we have a vision statement in the church, and, and that is we want people to know, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference through service. That's our vision statement, and we've, we're putting, have put some things, and we're continuing to put things in position that actually fulfills that vision. We're not done with the implementation. We just launched the vision last summer. We've been diligently putting things in a position to fill that. But this, this has been my issue where um, I've been challenged for the past couple of months. One of the things that help or one of the things that hinder vision implementation is culture. Culture. What, okay, this is what you want to do, but what's the norm in your ministry? What's the culture? Because if the culture is anti-activity, you can say you want to do this, but it'll never get done because that's not the culture within your ministry. So in order to change culture, culture in your house, culture is established by what you allow. It's what you, what you allow. The things that you allow in your house, in your church, in your ministry, the things that's allowed on your job, it's, it becomes, if, 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 you, if you work in, a, in an environment where it's okay to be late, ooh, I'm late, I'm late, oh girl, don't worry about that. You know why it's okay? Because there has been an established culture that it's okay to show up whenever you want to show up. And the reason that has been established because nobody in authority has said we don't allow that here. So if we want implementation, we, we need to develop a stronger culture. And the way you develop a stronger culture is that you have to establish core values that minister to the culture that you want. So I'm working on two sets. I'm working on staff values as a team and I'm working on church value. What do we actually value? What's What's actually important? Because if everything is important, nothing is important. So I'm working on both of them. I'm starting with the staff value, those who work directly with me. And these are two, two staff values that we are implementing. Number one is loyalty. We want to be loyal to one another. You, you, you got you to hear it. Lev, <laughs> just raise your hand. It's no good. You're no good in this ministry if you're only loyal to God but not us. Because your so-called loyalty to God will eventually cause you to violate what we're trying to do here. But I ain't just feeling that in my spirit. And because you don't feel it in your spirit, now you don't support it. So as a staff, not only am I loyal to God, 
I'm always loyal to the ministry and to the man of God as long as the ministry or the man of God is not contradicting what the written word of God is saying. I, I want to I help. I want to help. So, so loyalty, number one. Number two is honor. And I want to establish a culture amongst our staff that we honor not only up, but we honor down. And, and don't take down too literally, but we give everybody honor because we esteem and we value people not based on what they do. We, we esteem and value them based on who they are. And you are a child of God. You are blood-bought. You are born again. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, so, so with honor, I thought about this. How, how, do, you, how do you begin to honor? How, how do you begin to honor? And this is what came to my mind. The reason it's hard for some people to honor is the same reason it's hard for them to forgive. It's hard to give something you ain't received yourself. And people that don't give forgiveness freely are usually people who hold themselves based on what they've done in their own past. So if it's easy for me to be mad at you, because I'm still mad at me, it's easy for me to be angry with you, because I'm still angry with you, angry with myself. But for the individual, that freely receives forgiveness when they have been hurt or offended it's easy for them to give well I hope you enjoyed the podcast today and if you did there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do number one subscribe to our show that way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are Secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.